Thanks for joining Joni Carswell with Living Tree, co-founder, CEO, and president. Um, we're talking today about like the heavy, happy burden of progress and innovation. And for as incredible as technology is, and as much as it's afforded us, there are communities that often are left behind. And when we look at technology um, companies and new apps or new products or services, we look at Living Tree as a solver and kind of bridging the gaps for the disenfranchised. So we just wanted to hear from you as a woman in tech, as an entrepreneur, as a solver, tell us about your story and how you started Living Tree. So the story of Living Tree, uh, the story of Living Tree really starts with parents who want to be involved and want to see their children succeed. Parents that work in technology and can't fathom why the school isn't using the latest, greatest technology to communicate with them about their child. And so if you step back and look at the space that the schools are in, you mentioned the disenfranchised and those left behind. The schools are often the last last ones to receive budgeting. They have a whole lot of regulation at both the state and the national level. And you have a lot of people who are getting by on passion because heaven knows we're not paying them what they should be considering what they do for our future. And so what we saw when we were starting Living Tree was that the schools really wanted to be on the cutting edge, but there isn't enough time in the day to understand curriculum needs, the latest uh, learning philosophies, the amount of time that you need to spend with the students. And so often they were the last to adopt any uh, new technologies that were out there, in particular with communications, because there's certainly a mantra, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, um, as opposed to going out there and, and trying to really break into new territory. And so back in 2012, we really started working with schools to understand why they were still using web pages that didn't work on mobile, why they were still using flyers, why they were using methodologies that didn't translate to all families. And it just came down to there was no one who owned it, there wasn't enough budget, there wasn't enough time in the day. And so in Building Living Tree, what we tried to do was really understand that mindset and get behind the educators and families alike and provide something that was simple enough that the educators could easily adopt it and easily understand what it was, that the families would then respond and adopt to the time and efforts being put in by the educators, and then everyone could be in one place. And so you know, it being 2017 now, five years ago, Facebook was big, but you were just starting to hear the murmurs of, is it safe? Should we have our children's pictures out there? How should we use this in in education? And so we took those questions and, and said, you should be able to use social technology to drive conversation and drive community and partnership between educators and families, but it needs to be private, it needs to be safe. And oh, by the way, it can't just be pictures. There's a whole lot of other things that go along with engagement um, beyond just media sharing and liking and commenting. And so working with schools in Houston, Texas and Austin, Texas, we understood that that was managing volunteers, it was private messaging, it was translating to as many languages as possible so that there could be multi-way conversation. It was pulling all of those in, making it accessible on mobile so that the families who didn't have computers at home could be included. And then as we progressed, it was also integrating with the school's data systems, which is probably one of the most difficult things that we do, to actually create those accounts because that's where the burden was truly hitting both the families 
and the educators. And so taking that out of their hands, doing it for them with the backgrounds that our team had in enterprise technologies and enterprise delivery and giving it to the K-12 space is really where we started to make a difference. And so our story begins with parents who were very concerned about child, our children's education and taking our personal problem and then learning more about it um, from our education partners and really working hand in hand with them to understand uh, everything that they deal with every day to deliver technologies already in place in other markets into the Cape 12 space. So starting with the mission and, and coming with the grounding of being concerned parents. And I remember this because one of the reasons we bought on to Living Tree was just the story of like, this is a genuine desire to use the best of what technology has to offer to solve for a pain point. Mm-hmm. And that was the mission. And it was a very true and a very real pain point. And you guys have delivered solutions and kind of evolved the solution in that evolution there's been some learnings. What are some of the biggest initial learnings that Living Tree went through as a, as a tech startup or an ed tech startup? <laughs> so some of these learnings are going to sound pretty uh, elementary, <laughs> if you will, but I think some of the best learnings always are. You look back two or three years hence and you're like, oh my goodness, how did we not know that? So we have kind of the, the, the 360 learnings, right? Um, the the first learning was around how to get to the people to solve our problem, the go-to-market. So if you're speaking specifically from the entrepreneurial side, we're like, well, we're going to go and we're going to tell parents about this and they're going to take it to their schools. Well, time out. Parents don't really want to tell the schools how to communicate with them. And again, hindsight, like, duh, that's not rocket science. It's not too smart that we thought otherwise. But really understanding who held the decision in the K-12 space to impact the parents. And so I think a big learning for us was understanding that, but then creating that balance of getting that decision maker to understand what the solution was and still delivering something at the parent and teacher classroom level that was good enough that they would never say no, that they would continue to want it um, year after year after year. So that was a big learning for us. And the actual account creation was a big learning for us as well. When we started out, we did email invitation and group codes. We were all about privacy and security. But at the end of the day, we were only seeing a 30 to 40% take rate by the parents. Even though we truly believe every parent wants to see their child succeed, it wasn't showing that on the parents who were connecting because, again, it was just too hard. So a big learning for us, and, and, and again, elementary, you got to make it easy, create as much as you can for your customers without them having to do anything and that really puts you ahead and then i think telling our story uh, you know our whole platform is about privacy and security and we don't tend to get out there and talk a whole lot about what we're doing because we protect our schools we protect our our teachers and our communities But we do have a good story to tell, and I think you can be thoughtful and you can be authentic and still tell that story, and that's actually something that APC Mm -hmm. has helped us with tremendously, is understanding that telling our story doesn't get away from our mission of privacy and security and authenticity. Who are some of your biggest um, advocates for, for the technology, for the platform, for the idea or the promise of Living Tree? Where have you found the most support? 
in the education community uh, and, and then a group of parents at every campus and in every district where we've rolled out. So uh, no matter what part of the country or world, there is always a teacher or an administrator who is on the cutting edge that wants the latest, greatest, best for their community. And they are very clear on what that means. And when we have found those people uh, in each environment, they have been our biggest cheerleaders and and our most successful um, implementations. You tend to find the parents who get it too. That parent tends to have more than one child and have been in an environment where they've had to go to 20 web pages or they've Mm -hmm. gotten flyers or actually not gotten flyers Mm -hmm. because the child doesn't bring it home. And they see and experience the, the beauty of what we have. Beyond that, we've found big cheerleaders in the state and national levels who are trying to make change in the K-12 system. They're trying to put family engagement into legislation and they're trying to really work with schools, not to tie their hands, not to put uh, unreachable standards in place, but to actually make family engagement part of the conversation. And, And those folks, we found them in Colorado, we found them in Texas, in Maryland, in California, uh, at the state level, and then uh, with IEL, the Institute for Educational Leadership, we found them in, in the national organizations as well for what we're doing and the change that we're trying to make. Which is incredible. I know that you guys from a very early time planned for engaging the most amount of parents as possible. And so where you could have focused on getting the user interface, you know, at par with what you wanted. You, you, you invested heavily in the translations tool, mm-hmm. making sure that parents could connect in that language of their preference and comfort and that teachers could connect with the same amount of clarity in the language that the parents would best receive the information. How has that been received among educators? Very, very well. Uh, I'll say no matter what conference that we go to, no matter what session we speak at or collateral that we put out, translation is top of mind for everyone. These educators want to include every family. They want to be able to speak with the parents and they want to be able to speak with the parents because they know that that is the biggest impact that they can have on that student. And so being able to provide that translation and to provide the mobile access, we've really seen the market change over the last five years. Five years ago, uh, you would hear excuses like, no, people don't have smartphones. But now it's it has to be a smartphone app. It has to have translation because that's how we can reach mm-hmm. all of our families. And we're seeing more and more when uh, districts put out requests for proposals, when they put out feelers for what type of platforms that are out there, we're excited because they are asking for mobile and translation at the very top of their their requirements list so that they are including all of the families that fall behind when you have a website that doesn't size to mobile, when you have a website that doesn't translate, when you have a website you can't find, or any of the other tools that fall behind in the same manner. What have been some of the biggest wins that you've seen being on, you know, you're a founder, and, and there's been lots of peaks and lots of valleys, but what are the things that you most prize in this journey? I think the uptick in conversation makes me really, really excited. I'll, I'll, I'll give you actually two things. One is the business side win, and the other is just the personal, emotional 
when in like I said, the, the change in legislation, the inclusion of family engagement in the Every Student Succeeds Act and the specifics around translation and then the, the mention of using mobile, etc. solutions, that's huge because it is so different than it was in 2012 when this wasn't mentioned at all. Then it was parent involvement mm-hmm. and it was more about a parent volunteering than the conversation that you're having with a parent. And seeing those things and then seeing the federal programs officers, the communications officers, the teachers internalize that and act on it, it is mind-blowing um, when you look at our, our mission. On the personal side, it's hearing the stories from our campuses and from our districts. One of our, uh, we're, we're based in Austin, Texas, one of our campuses here in Austin talked about how they had a very involved PTA, but the PTA people all looked the same. Primarily female, primarily stay-at-home mom, or someone who worked part-time, all native English speakers, all kind of from the Austin area, all super involved. But their campuses speaks 52 languages, yet they wow. weren't seeing any of those families come and volunteer or take part. And so they implemented Living Tree in an, an effort to get to the families who didn't speak English. And they implemented it in the August timeframe. And in April, the volunteer coordinator came forward and there was uh, an event where they had asked for volunteers and asked for people to come and bring their child. And she came running up to the president and she said, look at this. This can't be right. I don't recognize any of these names. Wow. And it was the names from families who were the non-English speakers. And the president at that time, she threw her hands up and was like, yes, we succeeded. This is Mm -hmm. what we did. This is what we were trying to achieve is this inclusive environment where every family comes. Not Mm -hmm. only do they listen, not only do they talk digitally, but they volunteer and they Mm -hmm. come and they take part in our community and they become part of the family. When they're invited and when they feel invited and feel understood. When they feel like someone is making an effort Mm -hmm. to include everyone. And I would say, you know, each week, each month, we hear those anecdotes, and those are the wins that we hold near and dear to our heart. Like, we have all of the typical technology wins. Mm -hmm. We've introduced different features that have made an impact. Mm -hmm. Um, But hearing the true impact at the ground level, Mm -hmm. those are the ones that we get really excited Mm -hmm. about without giving away the secret sauce or the, n- the new menu items of what you guys have coming. <laughs> What's next for Living Tree? How far does Living Tree go in your eyes? Living Tree, it's it's still on mission. And it's, you know, we're all about being the connection for everyone who raises and develops uh, children and, and families. And to me, that means finally realizing the community vision that we had from the start. We have been uh, implementing uh, more and more partnerships with schools and with districts, and we're we're bringing in the extracurricular programs, we're bringing in the local religious organizations, we're bringing in um, these organizations, and ultimately that vision and what's next is bringing in that broader community so that everyone in the community has that one place. So if if I'm a mother or a father who has four children and two of them are getting ready for this whole college thing, I don't have to go anywhere else. My calendar has all the FAFSA and other information that I need. 
and it's community organizations that are putting it there. I'm not having to go out and find things. I'm truly leading a simplified life where everything that I need for the success of my child is there. And so that that's what's next, us really being there as that central point for all things child success. And, you know, we're, we're, we're working with potential partners to make that happen. And we have some really exciting um, features coming that also make that happen. But really, it's building on success of what I mentioned. It's that, that ground level, hearing those anecdotes and that getting to the folks that are now reaching out to partner with us and becoming that true um, cornerstone, if you will, of the community when, it, when, when you're looking at a technology solution. Which is exciting because I feel like that delivers on the promise of technology, right? It's not just for convenience or for access to information. It's about taking it a step further and actually feeling a purposeful mission and really making community community because I feel like there's so many things and we've had clients and friends that we've talked to about the promise of technology and that there's one, Nora, recently that I'm saying like, I, you know, fine, put me on social and let's get, you know, get to mobile and whatever else you want to do. But don't forget to have a conversation or don't forget that I'm your elder. Don't forget like the basics of what you're trying to do is really build a community. So like take all of the good and the the um, the simplification and efficiencies of technology, but don't forget the humanity. And I feel like if anything was born out of humanity first, which is what you guys are doing, and layer in the technology to make it simpler to be connected is what you guys have done. We just have a few more questions because I want to get to um, you're a role model. You're a role model for us as women in business, but for young girls that are looking at career options that we didn't necessarily think were available to us when we were growing up. How has it been to be a female founder um, in a community? I mean, even this office building, <laughs> you're kind of rare. <laughs> so what is that like, the journey in tech as a, as a woman? Sure. Uh, I Actually, before I answer that, I want to, to build on what you said about technology and humanity. We absolutely view ourselves as a fabric. And when we work with schools and with communities, technology does not replace face-to-face. It does not replace the relationship. It acts as a base. It acts as an augmentation. And those are the communities that are very successful. They're sharing windows through, via meet, uh, pictures and videos, etc., that make parents comfortable enough to come to campus. And that you're exactly right. You hit it spot on that technology is the fabric. It's not the end-all be-all. Our, our goal isn't to have everyone sitting in little humanless cubicles <laughs> and not seeing anyone. So I wanted to, to address that. As far as being a, a female in, the, in, in this area, um, actually say, what, what did you want to know again? <laughs> Just the, the <laughs> you know, being, we're not there yet, right? We're yeah. not there yet in the numbers of representation or tables of, of decision making. Um, we're just not there. And I think we're, we're getting there and I think we have a long way to go. And I don't want to shame the industry or any industry, but I know it's been it's been difficult at times as a female founder to navigate funding discussions, to engage in, in just the perception um, dynamic. So I just wanted to address it, not in an ugly way or to sh- make it ugly, but just kind of understand what you've learned or what you've seen or some of your takeaways in the process. Sure. So I think that I, I, I never think of myself as 
a female. I think of myself as a, a person who is passionate about making this change in education. Like that, that's first and foremost in my mind at all times. And I also think that I've been very fortunate in working with folks in education and technology that are of that same mindset. So I think the first thing is not to be cliche, but surround yourself with people that have that like vision. It doesn't matter what gender you are, what color you are, what uh, preferences you have, you have that mission and you go after it together. And the debates that you have are, are around that, not any of these ancillary things. Mm-hmm. And so I think one is, is surrounding yourself with the, the right folks. And two is when you are kicked in the teeth, so to speak, or something horrible is said, you just laugh it off and move on. You can choose to address it or not. I don't know that I have a stance. I think that depends on your personality. Do what is going to make you move forward. If you need to turn around and tell that person off to move forward, do it. If you need to just let it go, that doesn't mean you're not a feminist. That doesn't mean that you won't be successful. Do what you need to do to move forward because there will be things that are said. There will be things that get at you 24 hours later that, you know, maybe your mind was on something else and then it just sticks and you're like, oh, why did they say that? Um, But move on. Do what you have to do to move on and then go back to to point one and surround yourself with people who have your mission in mind and, and that will help you do that. And I think that there just needs to be acknowledgement as well. On the fundraising side, there are certainly a lot of Uh, female business um, specific funds now that are out there. That's actually not where I I found my funding. I I did reach out to a a couple of those. Unfortunately, most of them were not technology based and, and the difference in the questions that were asked for those versus the funds that are accustomed to technology questions or technology companies rather it, it was very interesting. I'll, I'll put it that way and a little bit unfortunate. And I would say you you just have to, and this is for anyone, male or female, you're going to have hundreds of conversations before you find that right fit and that right funding, and and you've got to just keep moving forward. And I do think that we are at a point in time where there are more resources than ever before, Mm -hmm. and people willing to talk to you, um, sometimes because you're female. Mm -hmm sometimes in spite of it, um, but, but they're, they're willing to talk and give advice and, and help move you forward and take that. But when you take that, make sure that you turn around and put back in what you've taken out uh, of that community um, plus some so that, that it's always growing. I know that I try to help uh, the up-and-coming K-12 or other female entrepreneurs, either or, because I, I know those two spaces more mm-hmm. than others and put back in everything that was given to me as I went out and fundraised for the last 18 months. I closed in in August and I met with immeasurable kindness on many, many fronts. People willing to do reviews, people willing to talk to me even though they knew they had no desire to put money in and they would be very upfront about it, but they would review and help make me better to get to the place that I needed to. So I, I think and I don't, I don't want to be gender specific, but I do think as females, sometimes we're scared to take that advice and that help mm-hmm. um, without having something to give back immediately. And I, I certainly learned you will have an opportunity to give back in the future. Take it 
when you need it or you won't move forward. So I think. Do you think there's anything that's, um, it's so funny because it, when you talk about not being gender specific, I feel like sometimes whether it's an ethnicity and I'm guilty of this, like I, I put myself in a box, you know, and then I'm waiting or expecting the judgment or I go into a room anticipating the judgment and I may dumb, dumb it down or ramp it up or dim my light or try and not shine. Like I become less authentic of who I am because I'm already anticipating the expected judgment. And I feel like as women, we possibly do that. Yeah. Where we feel we have to jump higher or run faster just to get the same amount of visibility. And it may not be necessary, and tech could be that equalizer. I don't know. Um, But it's been really interesting and kind of awesome to see you through that journey because the company was founded with more than just you, and you're the one that kind of stuck around and took it to the next level and continue to take it to the next level. And so seeing you navigate 2.0, 3.0, and now going on to 4 and 5, and what you're talking about is huge of where you guys want to go. So it's been an honor and a privilege and a pleasure just watching the growth because we truly believe in the mission and you know this, um, but I'm excited for where you take it. And you continue to teach us, so thank yeah. you for just sharing your thoughts thank you. with everybody who may or may not be listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, thank you guys because we certainly wouldn't be where we are without your partnership and your leadership. And, you know, that's one of the things know what you know, know what you don't. Mm-hmm. And and we didn't know media and mm-hmm. social media and marketing. And not only have you guys lent that, but you've lent your passion and your belief in us, which is really, really what has helped push us through. Sometimes that were hard, sometimes that weren't hard. So thank you for everything that you do for small companies and female entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs in general, mm-hmm. to move us forward. Awesome. I'm glad to know.